Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, we are talking about sex today. Sex. Um, And you know what? I got to say, based on the comments that we got, both in our selfie podcast community on Facebook and I offered people to DM me, I mean, it was a flood of comments on sex. There were so many comments, which I guess really isn't surprising. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not. But Sarah, I think this might be the first of many convos on this topic. I think that you're right, Kristen. Can I also say that because I have like the sense of humor of a 15-year-old boy, I did think it was really funny that this is the sex episode and it's episode 69. Number 69. <laughs> That's amazing. I was looking at the notes and I'm like, oh my God, this is episode number 69. And we did not you plan are, that, you guys. We did not plan you that. You are a junior higher. I am okay, so, so junior high. The sex topic we're talking about <laughs> this week is low desire. It's not wanting sex. Um, so we're going to get to that in a minute. Although, again, I do think we have seen that y'all want to talk about a lot of <laughs> sex topics. Yeah, so many <laughs> topics. Whoa, let's just, is this going to become a sex podcast? Maybe. I, I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Too. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do a quick update, Sarah. How have things been going on your end in the self-care department? Well, I, I, Almost made it through dry January. I didn't. I I, I was really proud of myself. I didn't drink till the 25th. It was my mom's 70th birthday celebration. And I only had one glass of wine. And it wasn't even that enjoyable. And I was like, oh, look at me, (laughs) hoity-toity. Like, ooh, I am so special in in my... um, quest for no alcohol in January. Um, But then like on the 29th or something, I kind of like took down like a half a bottle of wine with dinner. (laughs) So generally I I only drink twice. It's a journey. It's a journey. And, um, and you know, I just, I like, I like to have alcohol in my life once in a while. It did feel good to like stop for a while. Yeah. Um, But I didn't really, I don't know if I was expecting to reap any benefits, but in general, my mental health like went in the toilet. My skin looked like I was a 16-year-old hormonal teenager, and I was like, if this is what not drinking is going to do for me, I think I'm just going to go ahead and continue drinking because (laughs) I did not feel good. That is so weird. I feel like there might be other mitigating factors causing those two things you mentioned. Well, there were, but it's just, it was just kind of funny because I kind of expected, you know, maybe to like, maybe the first couple of weeks I kept on telling myself, well, maybe my liver's detoxing. Maybe I'm detoxifying and that's what's oh, happening maybe. with my skin. But it just continued the whole month. And granted, yeah. January has not been a good month. It's just been I just not good. January, goodbye, 
never want to see you again. (laughs) You sucked so bad. If this is any indication of how 2019 is going to be for me, it's not good. It's not good. (laughs) Yeah. My January has been a bit of a dumpster fire as well. Why? 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 I, you, you know this, but I did have a dear friend, a very close friend, lose her youngest son um, to suicide. And it has just, you know, it's, it's been devastating to walk her through that. And to, you know, it's just, it's that thing of like, when you're close to someone and you care so much about them, but you can't carry that for them. Right. You know, like there's she's in so much pain and there's nothing I can do for her, you know? Um, and so that's just, that's obviously been hard. And then, um, I found out last week that a very close friend of mine from college also took his own life. So I feel like (gasps) I'm just, you know, I just feel like suicide right now is just like this insidious beast that is claiming the lives of people I care about. And it's, it's disturbing. And it's sad. And I don't know what to do about it. You know, it just, it's just trying to wrap your brain around it and even understand it's, you know, we had that we did that really great episode. I thought it was it was so helpful for me, you know, um, Mm -hmm. on suicide, a couple of months back. We will link that one up in the show notes of this episode if that's of interest for people to listen to. Yeah, but it's definitely something I I don't know if it's just that you're hearing of more because of like we're just – we have so much more information that we can access via social media of friends and old friends and stuff. But I don't really think no, that's... No, statistically, I, yeah, stati- I suicide say, I don't rates really think that's are it. up. Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, I do think that that social media thing can be responsible for things like, you know, we think our kids aren't safe leaving the house, but it's really, you right. know. But, but actually, statistically, two things are up right now. Um, suicide rates and opiate deaths. Yes, I did. I have read a lot about that. So it's like people are in a lot of pain. People are in a lot of pain. Yeah, they are. And and I'm I'm just struggling with the weight of that of like, what is going on? What is happening with, you know, with the world right now? I know, you know, between politics and our president. And there's just I just feel heavy about the world. I really do. I do, too. I Um, and then on a more personal note. I also fell down my stairs. Yeah, you told about me about that ago. when that happened. You know. Are you feeling any better? Or, I mean, are you, what's going on? No, I'm, yes, it is, it is slowly improving. I will say, I do believe that I did break my tailbone. Oh. I have not seen a doctor to confirm this because, oh. you know, here's the thing when you have crappy insurance, I can either, go to I mean you have you need an x-ray right so I'd have right. to go sit in the ER right or I could go to my primary care physician and then wait for an authorization to see some doctor that actually has an x-ray machine and just I don't know like I've done a lot of googling I'm, which I know uh, is not. I'm sure you have I'm sure and you just, have there's not there's nothing they really do for a broken I was gonna tailbone say, you can't really do anything for it so I don't feel this great need to go in and confirm if it's a fracture versus a bruise versus a break. I just know it really hurts. Oh, my <laughs> it's gosh. It's hurting for a while, but it is, it's slowly improving. Well, I'm glad. It's, you know, there's nothing that takes longer, I feel, than a back injury. 
you know, pulling yeah. out your back, throwing out your back. It's just, yep. that's one of those things that happens when you're like, okay, now I realize how pertinent my back is to like every single daily activity I that I do, like even rolling over in bed. I mean, it's just, yeah. oh, it's yeah. so, so painful. It was really it funny is. because this morning I I was talking to a friend about that who was struggling with some sciatica right now. And mm-hmm. I was telling her how, I don't know if you remember, I did I, I did a whole bunch of cupping and it was yeah. so helpful. I mean, it was totally weird, but um, it was so helpful with lower back pain and nerve pain. Oh, if anyone's dealing with that. Um how does that help? What's this, you know, how does cupping help nerve pain or back well, pain? Well, my my issue was, well, it was like an old hamstring issue. Like I had I had tore my hamstring insertion years ago and then I kind of retore it in Pilates one day and it just completely flared up my lower back and I couldn't even I could not even bend over at all. Like like slightly angling forward at um, the sink trying to brush my teeth was excruciating. So I went to this guy that he's known for being really good at like soft tissue repairing, which was kind of my mm-hmm. issue because my back had even though it was sciatica, my lower back had really like it was like inflamed. So he did this cupping stuff on my back and it just, I guess, releases the muscles that are completely tensed up because they're trying to work overtime to keep you together, basically. And it Mm -hmm, releases mm -hmm, those. And mm -hmm. it was the craziest thing. He put four on my lower back and I have never been able to touch my toes as is. Like I've just, I'm very, I have very tight hamstrings and a lower back. And he put those things on. He goes, try to touch your toes. And I said, I can't even lean forward to brush my teeth and I can't touch my toes anyway. Leaned over, palms on the floor. Crazy. Never had done that in my life with a healthy back or non healthy. Palms on the floor. It was the okay, most un. And I walked out that day with literally no, no pain at all. Now, it came back the next day, not as bad as it was at first. But anyway, I'm totally going on a tangent with this whole cupping thing, but it was amazing. Totally amazing. I will include the link in our show notes. I wrote a post about it a couple of years ago because it just blew me oh, away. I actually want to read that. I'll That's include so that link. So interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I need. I probably need to go and do something, whether I, a chiropractor or... I think you could definitely I, I help probably... with the pain. I mean, it's not going to heal a tailbone, but you could help with no, you know, the surroundings. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I actually feel like at this point, a lot of the pain I'm experiencing is I'm, I'm, um, overcompensating. Like I'm, there we go. Overcompensating. And so all of the surrounding muscles are really tight because I'm trying not to move in certain ways or I'm sitting in weird positions. So I should probably, I should probably go do something. You should go get Um, cut. Okay. I don't know. Do it. But hey, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. It feels weird. It's not scary. Weird. It's not scary. To me, cupping and leeching are like maybe on the same level. Oh, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) That's like a gross like organism. Cupping is just a cup. You'll put like micro, you like micro needle your face all day long. You got to do the cupping. By the way, by the way, micro needling. By the way, let I really need to talk about the <gasps> microneedling. Tell me, tell me. Because last last week it was day one. I had done it the day before we recorded. Right. Um, I did microneedling at Cosmetic Care, um, where I've been doing some meta spa. So you know, right? Kind of, you, you know, sort of in between, not surgical, not invasive, but a little more than a facial. So last week I did microneedling. 
Um, when we spoke, I was red as all get out. Yeah. And then in the days following, my skin peeled a little bit. Not bad. Not like what I thought it would be. It was a very light peel. Okay. Like, um, not like a sunburn where it comes off in chunks, but like almost like an exfoliation peel. Okay. Yes. My skin feels so good. Does it? I mean, so good. I can't even explain it. Really? It really does feel like it took years off my skin. <gasps> now, what? I want to clarify, it didn't take year- years off my wrinkles, right? right? So the structure of my face is the same. Okay. But the skin, the pores are invisible. <gasps> I had some just like, I had some some bumps from clogged pores. Yes, I get those. Long, you know, yeah, static bumps. And they can look like the beginning of a breakout, which is what bothers me about them. But they never like, like come to a like head. You're, but they never come to a head. Yes. They don't go anywhere. They're always there. Yes, those, those are massively flattened. Wow. And here's the thing I will say that I'm enjoying the most about it is it feels like my skin just absorbs all my products. Yeah. In a way that was different before. Well, that and makes I'm sense. Really enjoying every night like the and I know you do this but just the routine of putting products on my face because I feel like it feels so amazing <gasps> like it's that just is amazing seeping in my serums and I am really happy with the results I love it and also it's almost like you're creating better habits because, you know, you yes. do like the way it feels when you put the skincare on. So you're probably spending a little bit more time doing it. And, yes. Oh my gosh. So that's like a total win-win. It is. I want to do it. I think you should. I'm I mean, I, I really, in retrospect, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was bad that first day. I did look like a red lobster. I mean, okay. I looked like the worst sunburn I'd ever I looked like you know second degree sunburn on my face okay but the third day I I went to meetings at school and I didn't look that weird at all okay I mean you know when you consider that I spent two hours of my life to feel like my skin is just like baby new right I don't know okay I I might be addicted baby soft skin so how long does this result last how 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 many times do you have to go like, how does it work? Right. That's a good question. Well, at Cosmeticare, they recommended, and they were so sweet, too. Like, the the um, technician who did it called me that night. She was just like, I'm just oh, checking in. I love that. Um, she recommended a series of three, which is what Claire did before her wedding. Okay. Claire, who we had on. Um, a series of three, and then she said every one to two years. <laughs> so, <gasps> you know. That's not bad. No, it's not. But, you know, I mean, it, you know, it could be a spendy habit, but I am really sold. Oh, I'm, I'm sold on it. It's so funny. You know, I've said I, I don't think I I mean, I'm totally just personally, you know, pretty much anti Botox fillers, those things. But I have mm-hmm. definitely become more lenient in my thinking about lasers or microneedling, like smaller, like less invasive, less invasive treatments. And now it's yeah. kind of like I'm really starting to think about it. like I really want to do it now. I want to do something. Well, because, yeah, this isn't this isn't changing the structure of your right. face or the way that you look. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what this treatment does is it gives your collagen a little slap in the face and says, hey, start working again. Yeah, like pick it up. Pick it up, bud. Yeah, and what's great is apparently the effects of microneedling last for like 
my skin is still producing more collagen than it was two weeks ago. That's amazing. Yeah. That is so, so it's cool. Like, it just, it, it's, it keeps improving because it does. It's, it's like you threw your collagen in a cold lake and it, and it had to like get up and, and start moving yeah. again. Well, that's amazing. And, you know, I just thought about this last night. This is a little up update on my my eyelid surgery thing yeah. that I've been thinking about. So I was sitting at my daughter's basketball practice last night with the other moms. And I was talking because I was talking to two other moms about it, just that it's really getting saggy. And then I realized one of my one of my friends sitting to the right of me is an eye surgeon. And I don't even know why I didn't put two and two together. Oh, She's like, Sarah, funny. I do those. Like I did a full <gasps> fellowship in what? eyelid surgeries. And it was actually really interesting because, you know, sometimes I think maybe I'm just being like overdramatic and it's not that bad. But she actually mm-hmm. kind of like looked at my eyelids and pinched the skin. She's like, oh, yeah, you are already like a full candidate for it. She's like, oh. we can do this and just take out this little bit of the skin and bring it together. She's like, it's one of the... It's it's not a tough surgery. She's like, I don't even prescribe narcotics um, for it. You, it's like a one wow. week. Yeah. So, I was just kind of excited. I don't That's know why I didn't think. Yeah. In my head, That's I was kind thinking of encouraging. that. Yeah, it was encouraging. I just thought maybe it was only plastics that do it, like plastic surgeons. And she's like, actually, you know, you you really want to have an eye surgeon do that. Like that's the only thing we're into. Like you know, we know everything about the eye. And so anyway, I mean, I'm not going to do it anytime soon. But it was really mm-hmm. good to talk to her about it. And then I feel like it could make a really big difference for me. Oh my gosh, totally. And so then it's someday. not that big of a deal. And, yeah. and it's a legit medical procedure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. just felt better when she kind of pinched the skin and she was like, oh yeah, you have a lot here that, mm. you know, and I was like, oh, validated. I'm validated. Yeah. Validated. So anyway, yeah. Good stuff on that front. Oh, and I saw on your Instagram that you're doing a juice and soup cleanse this um, week. Yeah. Which is actually one of my two thumbs up. So well, let's I'm, dive into let's, that. Let's dive into that. So um, I'm on my second day. Well, once again, selfie Facebook community group comes through. I wasn't even considering. I've done juice cleanses in the past, and I'm just kind of like, whatever. They're yeah. fine. I usually cheat towards the end. I don't really know if it's oh, doing hard, anything. Yeah. They're hard, and they make me cranky. I wasn't really uh, yeah. thinking about it, but someone was talking about like, you know, resetting themselves. And one of our um, members, Carrie is her name. She was like, you know, sometimes when I want to do like a quick three-day reset, I do this particular cleanse. Um, the brand is called Juice by Julie, but Juice is J-U-S. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's really cool because it's it's juices and soups, so mm. it's a three-day situation where you're drinking the juices. You have six a day. So like three soups, three juices a day. I have got to tell you, and I bought this with my own money. This was not sent to me. I mean, this was just like, I, I'm going to try this. First off, the soups are freaking delicious. I mean, I can't think of a soup that I've had that I like more than her soups. Really? Oh, her red lentil is amazing. There's like Ugh. a potato leek, carrot, ginger, uh, tomato bisque. Like they're You're literally s- naming all my oh favorite my soups. They're so flavorful. I cannot handle soups that are like gross and like dull and just don't have a lot of flavor. They're just like bursting with flavor. And then her juices, the difference with her juices are they aren't cold pressed. So they're blended. So you're actually getting all of the fiber 
from the vegetables and oh, the fruit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because that's my complaint about and criticism really of juice cleanses is that why would you not want the fiber in your body? No, exactly. And on top of it, it's just it's more filling. You know, drinking oh, one of those juices, yes. it fills my belly opposed to, you know, drinking just something that's cold pressed. So anyway, um, I'm in the second day. I have not felt hungry at all. My daughter, I was taking her to school today and I was drinking one that was like a green. It was like kale, um, romaine, mango, banana, rice, milk and something else. I mean, it was really like it was like a meal and she smelled it. She was like, oh, my gosh, can I try that? Yeah. Gave it to her. She's like, this is the best juice I've ever drank. So it's also kid approved. So she's like, nice. can we buy some of these one day? And I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, so like I am thoroughly impressed. I've done so many other ones. It's just it's it's easier because you actually are eating a little bit more because you have the yeah. soups. It's not just a thin and you're getting juice. Fiber. That's that's a yeah, big deal. You're getting the fiber. So I love it. Um and then also I'm gonna put a link to it in the podcast notes because um if you link from that you can get forty percent off your first order. And that's why oh I ended gosh. up getting it because she was having some sort of like New Year's sale and it was really inexpensive. I think it was I think it was like eighty dollars for the whole thing. Um, for three full days of, you know, three soups a day and three juices a day. And uh, I think when that's you, tempting. Yeah. I think when you get that 40% off, it's going to bring it down right to about that or even a little bit less. So I would highly recommend it. That's a good price it. for a three-day cleanse. I, I just, I'm really enjoying it. I'm sitting here drinking the spicy pomegranate, which is pomegranate, lemon, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. It's one of like the thinner ones just you're supposed to do like as a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. snack, but I love it. Okay. So that's, that's that. Loving it. And then my second thumbs up is I, I, this is one of those things that I'm like, have I done this before? I don't know. I know I've talked <laughs> to you guys about the Maya Chia supercritical chia oil. Um, yes. But I don't know if I've made it a two thumbs up. And I just have to say, it is, I have tried over 200 face oils, no lie. Mm-hmm. And I consistently come back to this oil and it's $60 which amongst like the whole range of oils is pretty inexpensive because it lasts a really long time um and this past month when I was having all of my skin stuff I kind of freaked about it and was like trying a whole bunch of things that had been sent to me which just made everything worse I was breaking out I was irritated red my face was so angry and I was like, okay, I'm cutting everything out. I'm just going to use my chia oil. And it was like within three days, my skin was totally back to normal. I mean, this stuff is like gold. Interesting. I don't know what. And it's just it's just chia oil. There's not a lot in it. There's a couple of um, like citrus essential oils that make it smell really bright and citrusy. Um, but like it's just basically chia oil. And it just – maybe it's just my skin, but it's just – so great. It's so hydrating, but does not make my face feel congested or cause those little congested pores like you were talking about, which almost everything and does do you to me. Use, do you use this at night? A morning and night. Morning and night. So yeah. it doesn't make your face too oily no. it, for the day. In fact, I love it. I put it on in the morning and then I wait about five minutes before I put mm-hmm. my makeup on and it makes my makeup application, like my concealer, oh. go on so smooth and it it like creates a lit within glow. So when I put my makeup right. on, my skin still looks glowy, but does not look greasy. Yep. Makes sense. I'm loving this stuff. I can't tell you guys. I mean, it's it's so good. I've been using it for years and there's just nothing else that's ever compared to it. 
Well, now that I have baby skin that drinks up all of um, my products, I might need to try this. Well, you know that um, the scrub, who makes the scrub that we use in the morning? I just, oh, Suki. Suki. So, you know, that those kind of notes in it that kind of wake you up, that kind of energizing citrus, mm. that's what this oil smells like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so in. Dude, yeah. it's so good. So in. Telling you. By the way, someone in our Facebook community mentioned that they found Suki, um, that <gasps> cleanser that we both love at, at Costco. Costco. Yeah. Which PSOKC is getting a Costco. It's being built right now. We've not had one before. I'm so excited. I think I already told you that, but I'm very excited. Well, I, I, I don't know if I've ever told you my thoughts on Costco. I won't step foot in there. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Why? I just hate it. Why? I don't know. I just, it's too big. It's too much. Oh, just in general, like a big yeah, superstore. I mean, yeah. I have a smaller pantry. I don't, you know, I have a 1950s house with right. no storage. And so I don't want to buy in bulk. No, that totally makes sense. Um, nothing fits in my freezer. Nothing fits in my pantry. Like I want six to 12 paper towels. I don't want 24. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. They do carry the thing I like about Costco over other sort like superstore type membership places like Sam's, which is very popular in Oklahoma City, is that they actually carry a lot of organic products. I know. Um, so if I and it am, is cheaper, it is yeah. It, yeah. So like I'm just happy I have that option. I don't really go to Sam's that often. I probably won't go to Costco that much. But when I was in California, I went a lot when I'd buy like you know stuff for like babies, like my kids or like snacks yeah. and or you can't yogurt, beat their like sir. their their frozen fruit for smoothies. Exactly. You can't beat that. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. So what do you have for your thumbs up? Okay, well my first is a television show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just binge watched Homecoming, which is that show on Amazon with Julia Roberts. Oh, I've I have not seen this. Okay, I had I hadn't either and it I think it was like up for a bunch of Golden Globes, which was like what grabbed my attention. It was really good. Was it? Really, really good. Yeah. It's about this recovery center for for vets okay. who come back um with PTSD. But the but then there is like this sort of cover up and there's something funky going on at the recovery center. I don't want to give too much away. Okay. But it, it just becomes it's it's kind of a mystery show, you know? Um, yeah. It was really interesting. And here's what's fascinating about that that series. I didn't realize this until after I'd watched the whole thing. It started as a podcast fictional series. Oh, it did? Yes, with different actors. Like, what? Um, Catherine Keener was playing Julia Roberts' part. And so they, they did this whole serialized story as a podcast. Okay. Like, okay. almost like an old-time radio show. Okay, I want to watch. I want to watch. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But now I kind of wish I'd listened to the podcast first. Well, Lord knows I'm not going to listen to the podcast. I'm still, I, I, I get, you know, I get gung-ho. I'm like, I am listening. I am a podcast listener now. And that always lasts for like two weeks. And then I'm like, nope, can't do it. I don't know what my problem is. Well, speaking of podcasts to TV, you you listened to Dirty John, didn't you, though, back in the day? Only, only like three episodes. Oh, really? So I don't still know what happened. Don't tell me. Like, okay, well, listen, I watch they, the made show? It, they made it into a show, and that show is also fantastic. So someone told me it's really hard for them to watch because, I mean, although they love Connie Britton, the way she does her voice in the show is, like, so annoying you want to slap her. Is that true? But she sounds just like the real lady. She does. She does. Yeah. And, I love Connie you know, Britton. the whole—I do, too. She she was so good in that part because— okay. 
I mean, it's a story of a woman being manipulated. And, right. and you know, you're listening going like, why would you go back with this guy or why would you believe him? And she seriously does such a good job of like building empathy where you're like, okay, I see why this woman kept taking him back. Like, right. I, I get it. Okay. Um, But also the voice is annoying, but you know, it's set in Newport Beach. I, I mean, know. it is a familiar voice. Oh, like, totally. It's how people talk out here. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the vocal fry and the like, I don't know. No, it is. Yeah. And like, I remember that they were mentioning all these places. I'm like, oh, yeah, been there, ate there, did oh. the thing. Yeah. So it's just like right around where I lived. Oh, yeah. For, for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, that that is, you know, kind of interesting too. But yeah, yeah it it's, I, I thought that that was a really good show, but that was not my second thumbs up. Okay. Um, I'm just, second. I'm just being grabby right now. I'm saying <laughs> two TV shows, and now I'm going to say three books. So <laughs> I guess I'm giving five thumbs up. But the books are clustered. There, there's a topic. Okay. These are all three books from past podcast guests that have just come out. Ooh, cool. So first of all, Lisa Leonard, we had her on the show. She is a jewelry designer, but she, I have to say, Jen Hatmaker asked me when we were hanging out in December, who was your favorite podcast guest this year? And I said, Lisa Leonard. Mm. I just mm-hmm. thought her interview was so interesting. Uh, but anyway, she wrote a book called Brave Love, Making Space for You to Be You. And it's a memoir. It's about her. Um, I mean, it's really just kind of her life story. Right. Um, but it's a lot about how she kind of came to find the importance of caring for herself. Yeah. Um, so very relevant to this podcast. Totally. And then also Jane Mossbacker Morris, who we had on almost a year ago. Yeah. Um, her book just came out. I just got it. Me too. Yeah. So this one is Buy the Change You Want to See, um, Using Your Purchasing Power to Make the World a Better Place. Oh, she's amazing. She is. And, I you know, really it's love just, her. I haven't read it yet, but I know it's going to be one of those books that convicts me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about absolutely. my purchasing. 100%. And the ethics around that. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive into that one. And then this one has been out a little bit longer. But Jessica Turner, who we had on the sh- on the show, um, wrote a book called Stretch Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive. And that one is um, right now $1.99 on Kindle. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to get that. In fact, actually, speaking of dollar ninety nine on Kindle, so is Lovey's book. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, I'm um, judging you. I'm judging you. Yeah, yeah they're both a dollar ninety nine right Thank now. Thank you for letting me know, know that. That's fantastic. Good deals. Very yeah. good deals. So that was our seven thumbs up. <laughs> that was our seven thumbs up. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Well, you know, it's it's funny for me to talk about sex because I talked about sex. I mean, I was a therapist and saw couples all the time right. for like over a decade. And right. so we talked about sex all the time. Yeah. And I feel like this low desire issue is a topic that came up more than any other sexual issue. Really? With couples. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All the time. So okay. I have been partnered with a... Um, It's a campaign. It's called The Right to Desire. And it's basically a campaign trying to bring awareness to women's low sexual response issues because there's all kinds of stuff geared towards men. We all know about 
the blue pills. We've all seen the commercials. I'm sure we'll see them during the Super Bowl, you know. Totally. (laughs) Totally. You know, and it's it's like if men have, you know, some sexual issues, there are doctors and responses and we're all so concerned. And yet we seem to sort of accept that women just aren't in the mood. Like, you know. So true. Not a lot More of help we out there. Want to be. Not a lot of help. I think we minimize it. I think we make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of accept it as just the way things are. Yes. Um, so I joined this campaign because I had no idea that there is actually a defined medical condition um, around this. And I mean, I'm a therapist. I went, you know, I got my master's degree and then I got a license. And how did I, as someone moving towards marriage and family therapy, not know that there was a medical condition called hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Oh, I had no idea there was. No, totally. So so that's why I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm so in for this campaign because it's ridiculous that we all don't know about this, including many medical doctors. Right. So HSDD is hypoactive, meaning not active. Not active. Low active. Low. Low active sexual desire disorder. And let me say from the get-go that... It is okay if you have low sexual desire. And having low sexual desire doesn't mean that you have a disorder. So if you have a low sex drive and you're cool with having a low sex drive, you're fine. You're good. Right? Right. Yes. No shame. No shame. There's not a threshold. This is not about us trying to make sure that women meet the sexual appetite of the men they are with. If you have a low sex drive and you don't care that you have a low sex drive, fine then you don't meet the criteria because the criteria is that you have a low sex drive and you are disturbed by it. There's disturbance. Which is a very, very good point. Right. Right. Um, So it is the most common form of sexual dysfunction for women. Um, And while it's been a defined diagnosis for half a century, most women don't know about it, Mm -hmm. Um, which is insane because it's estimated that 15 million women Whoa. are affected by it. One Whoa. in 10. Wow. Wow. But you know what? I have to say that one in 10 sounds consistent with the anecdotal stories I hear from friends. Well, now that you say it like that, I'm like, are, are we sure it's not like three or four out of 10? <laughs> well, I know. Well, I also think it's also dependent on where you are in your life. Oh, completely. Right. So, yeah. But I, so I guess on average, if you're taking into um, account women of all ranges, age ranges. Right. That would, yeah, that makes sense. No, totally. Um, and I also think, you know, when you talk about, you know, whether or not you have hypoactive sexual desire disorder, it's it's really what you're looking at is if your if your sexual desire is different than it has been in other times in your life. Okay, that's a good... You know, it's really sad that, like, no doctors are asking these questions. Well, you know, and that's that's one of the, the questions that the campaign is, is after, is how can we get doctors to ask this question? Because right. typically, when you go to see your lady doctor, they ask you one of three questions. Do you want birth control? Do you need to be tested for STDs? And, you know... They'll ask, are you sexually active? Mm-hmm. But they don't say, are you satisfied? Is that working? Is, you know, yeah. are you, like, I've never been asked questions about my sexual satisfaction. 
It's funny. I have, but it's been a female OBGYN. <laughs> you know, never have totally. I been asked that by a male doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, I've not been in the office with men, but I feel like they're probably being asked if there's any yeah. erectile dysfunction. Like, oh. I feel like they're, don't you feel like that's a question they get asked? Well, yeah. And too, and I don't know, the, it's also kind of like it's a physical thing that you can measure, essentially, like no pun intended. That's true. But, you know, it's like, right. you know, that where it's so much more complicated with women. You know, it's like it's you, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more cut and dried with men. Yeah. Yeah. We're uncut. Yeah. No judgments. No <laughs> puns all over the place. <laughs> I know. Puns all over the place. Uh-huh. Oh, Lordy. So we're going to we're going to talk through some of the comments that you guys both left in the group anonymously and also yeah, messaged me anonymously. Yeah. Um, but first, I want to say if you are. If you're listening to this and you're identifying, like, maybe I have hypoactive sexual desire disorder, um, the website righttodesire.com is a little resource for you. But what's great about this website is they actually have a telemedicine component on there. Oh. Have you have you done, like, appointments online? Have you done yes, that? Yes, I have. Oh, my gosh. I yes. mean, I, I love it. Amazing. I, Amazing. Yeah. Especially when you've got something where you know exactly oh, yeah. what it is. Science like a infection. yeast infection. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you know, like, I need the Diflucan or I need, you know. Right. Um, you don't have to wait in a waiting room. You talk to somebody online. So anyway, they have that um, on the Right to Desire website specific to this. And so if you didn't want to go in and talk to your gynecologist or, more importantly, if you wanted to make sure that the doctor you're talking to is well-versed in this issue, you can make an appointment and talk to a doctor through their website, which is pretty cool. I know. I do too. Very empowering. All right. So here are, I want to read through some of the um, comments we got on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's one. I think it would be helpful for you to address when one partner has low desire and one is very high Mm. and how to come to terms with that. So neither partner feels uncared for or less valuable. It's a drag to feel like you're letting your partner down or for them to feel like they're not desirable or that you don't love them in the way they feel loved. Mm. That's a huge one. The biggest thing I ever heard about sex as a, as a marriage counselor. Really? I heard that over and over again. And one partner has high desire, one partner low. And it's very interesting too, because I think uh, you want to go straight to having, you know, the, the male have a high desire, the female having the low desire. But I noticed in, a, in our comment threads that there, it was the opposite for a lot of people. It was. So it's not it, just. I, for sure. Yeah. There are no. a lot of women that are like, I'm not being satisfied the way you know, yeah, this is I not gender specific. Exactly. Yeah. But it's hard. I mean, it, it is hard. And I would say to this one, I, I really want to be careful that just because your desire isn't the same as a partner's doesn't mean you have a disorder. So it's really right. important not to pathologize a low sex drive because that is how some people are wired. Right. And And the way that you know if you have, you know, if it's more of a disorder, and I can speak for myself, I know that I had a a marked change in my interest in sex after I had kids. Right. And it wasn't like, it it didn't feel like I was myself in that department. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I've always just been kind of take it or leave it with sex. It was like, no, I used to be like real into this. And, and now not. I like 
don't want it at all. Right. And I think that you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, too, for a person. It's, yeah, when you notice that there is a change, something different than the way you've been in previous years. Yes. You know, because my thing is personally, I don't have low sexual desire. Um, Like I can be um, turned on in the same way that I have been. Like I don't I mean, I have that desire, but I'm also exhausted So that's the thing that confuses me because I guess you could say, I just don't think that's low sexual desire. I have the desire, but my tiredness takes precedence over that desire. It's not like I don't feel like, oh, you know, I, I feel all those feelings. But at the end of the day... I am like, I am so tired. Like, I I desire sleep right now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah, to that point, we and I want to come back to to this question about couples. But to your point, we had another commenter say, I'm not interested in sex because I'd rather just masturbate. Yeah. So that would not be an example of low sexual desire. Right. That would be an example of someone who's tired but still has sexual desire. Exactly. Right. Which I and think I, is and I think, important to point out. I know. I think that's a lot of us. Um, but where for me, when I think I went through a, a, a period where I probably would have been diagnosed with HSDD, I had no interest at all. Right. It just wasn't there. There wasn't, wasn't that, there. that feeling of desire. No. Right. No, just felt, yeah. Just right. felt like I could take it or leave it. Um, but it, around this question about couples, I want to say this. I think that there's no prescription because this is so individual to each couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that anyone should be demanded to meet the sexual needs of another person. But as a couple, you kind of have to find your rhythm of, of you know, at, this, at the same time, it's like, I do think it's okay to say, I'm going to have sex more than I want to, to meet my partner's needs in the same way that I would say, I'm going to um, affirm my partner more than is what is natural for me because that's a big need for my partner. Or I'm Mm -hmm. gonna, you know, just the things that we do that we know mean a lot to the person that we're with that maybe we don't have a need for it quite as much as they do. Right. It's kind of a tricky balance. It's super tricky. Someone else commented, which makes me think, in terms of this, like the whole love languages thing. Yeah. It's kind of like knowing what it is that makes the other person feel loved. But I I would suspect this is a very difficult thing to go through when there's like a like a wide disparity between yep. partners. Cause you can't help but if you're the person that um is wanting more, you can't help but feel insecure or like what's What's wrong with me? Like what, you know? I think that that, I think that that is a temptation for people to fall into. And that's where I think education is really important though, because someone else's low sexual desire is not an indication of your worthiness, of your, um, of your, you know, sexual, like sexuality, you know what I mean? Totally. No, that is a five-star comment right there. Yeah, so for one spouse to feel like their their other spouses just the way that they're wired and then to take that as a personal indictment on their, you know, worthiness is 
is bad. Like that's, right. that's not good. And so that's why I think education is super important. And, and when you are a partner with someone with a low sex drive, in the same way that if you were married, let's say to an alcoholic or, you know, or anything like you, you can't take all of that personally because right. it's not about you. That is so it's true. Usually it's not about you at all. I mean, we had one woman who was commenting, you know, um, about like my husband doesn't find me sexy and it's because I've gained weight and like physical attraction is a very small component of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's interesting is like, I I mean, I know I, I have some couple friends who by the world's measure of sexy, which is bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. they would not meet the criteria at all, right. you know? And yet they have the hottest sex life of anyone I know. Yeah, totally. And so I think it's I, I think that there's a lot of narratives that we've that we have picked up around sex, whether it be, you know, if my partner doesn't want me, I'm I'm not sexy. Right. Or if I'm not in perfect physical shape, I can't have a good sex life. There's a lot of narratives that we need to smash. Yes. Around sexuality and sexual desire. That is so true. And I feel like that was a, that was kind of a common thread. Um, maybe not like I don't feel like I'm physically desirable, but there were just so many women that were just like, I am in a phase in my life right now with young children. Yep. Um, I'm just exhausted. I just don't feel like it. Um, totally. Which once again is not necessarily uh, does not indicate that you have you know, low sexual desire. You're just exhausted. I just feel like I, that was like the recurrent theme for me reading through everything was, Mm -hmm. you know, people did feel possibly different than they had in earlier decades or whatever. But at the same time, like when you're taxed so emotionally, physically and mentally taxed with work and small children and like the mental load of just being a mom, I mean, just the things we carry in our heads all day, every day that usually, usually our partner's are not even aware of that we're thinking about, like every single Mm -hmm. little detail. It's just like, it's hard to like flip the switch because it, you know, we are more emotional beings when it comes to sex. It's not as easy for most women to just like turn it on and turn it off. And when you've got like 17,000 things going on in your brain, it's like, I can't just have sex right now, (laughs) you know? Well, I loved this comment. One one woman said, if he wants sex, the best way to get me to relax and enjoy it is to do the dishes. Oh, hell yes. Right? Yes. I mean, and I do think that there is something to that. And, you know, and I, well, not to go too personal, but I'll just say globally. <laughs> yes. You know, I think that there is an issue sometimes with one partner wanting a lot of sex, but not wanting to take the weight off of the other person yes. that they're carrying that's keeping them from being able to be in that mindset. Bingo. You know? Bingo. So men. <laughs> yes. Or women. Yeah, true. You know, but, yes. but it's like if you're in a partnership and you're wanting more sex, I do think it's vital that you look at are, you know, are there, um, is there a burden that my spouse is carrying that I could lift that might 
allow them to feel this aspect of their life better. Yes. And there's so many women, just like this one who said, do the dishes. I mean, it doesn't have to be some like huge, sweeping, amazing thing. Like you don't have to stand outside the window with roses and like serenade. It's just, could you help no, with we the don't housework? Want yeah. Like, yeah, we, we just, just want help with the housework. We want help yeah. with the housework. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. <laughs> or Another, like a back yeah. scratch before, you know, like, just, yes. yeah, you know, can yes. we like work into this space? <laughs> well, or I think, I mean, for me too, is I, I also just want a back scratch on a Tuesday. <gasps> yes. Without with, the sex. Without. Which is going to make me want to have sex on Wednesday. You know what Girl. I'm saying? Like if, if you can keep the, the pilot light on. Oh, Yes. It's not as hard to get the fire lit. It is so true. Because sometimes, you know, that will start to happen. And I'm like, oh, oh, he wants sex right now. You know, totally. it, you know, and you're like, oh, no, it would be so nice to be able just to like receive that as a nice gift from yeah, your partner. I mean, and that's with no strings attached. And I can remember there would be times in my marriage where I would be like, do you realize we have had zero physical touch between our last sexual encounter and now. wow. And you're wondering why (laughs) I'm not super interested. That's super true. I just think it's so important to keep that, um, I mean, for women especially, but also for men, to keep that affection and Mm -hmm. that, like, physical connection going in between sexual encounters because Mm – like you said, we don't just rev up from nowhere. No, that's so true. And um, just really being able to communicate your needs to your partner, which I can attest to, is really hard. I grew up in like it a very hard. non-demonstrative family. Like emotions were not a thing. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, just buck up and put a smile on your face and everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. Like I didn't, um, mo- there wasn't a lot of modeling of that for me. So it it is hard to like, and there's so much shame. God, it's such a big subject, but there's so much shame wrapped around it that for the longest totally. time, I felt uncomfortable talking to my husband who loves yep. me dearly, who cherishes me. Yep. Um, I can't tell him what I need. Like that um, is something that we actually went to couples therapy for. Um, totally. And it was really, really hard. But I can say, like, if you can break past that barrier and just realize that you are loved and you can express what you need, it doesn't matter what it is or how, you know, just if you can tell them yep. what would really make things better in that department, um, it's just, it's like a game changer. I completely agree. And like you, I grew up in a culture, I mean, especially in a religious culture where we, it, it almost felt like women didn't have sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Like that was a boy thing. Like mm-hmm. we were the temptresses and the boys were the ones that were horny, right? Like, yes, totally. And so the conversations were the boys put the brakes on and the girls need to stay modest. But like, so you know, even just like you said, being able to verbalize what you want in the bedroom feels really like, oh, God, I'm, I'm it, like a Jezebel. It you know? does. It's scary. But I will say this. I'll give this piece of advice that I used to give to couples all the time. You have to talk about sex outside the bedroom. Yes. Because it's it's really it's actually the very worst time to talk about sex and what you like and dislike while you're having sex. <laughs> Like, don't do that, right? That's so true. You're naked, you're vulnerable. Don't do that. So make, I mean, make it a point to have a business meeting about your sex life once a year where you sit down and you say, 
what are we liking? What are we not liking? Right. You know, and and then you can just you're in, you're inviting the other person and they're inviting you to tell you like I this is really working for me. I love when you do this. I could I could have less of this, right? Yes. Um and also like how do we feel like we're doing in terms of our frequency? And you know, how can we negotiate because it is, it's a negotiation. That's why it you is. can't just prescribe. Because there's all these different factors that go into it, too. Like some women have low desire because of trauma. Right. So I would never prescribe to that woman, well, you should initiate once a week or you should calendar right. your sex. Whereas I might say that to other people. It's right. It's so personal. I will say, I mean, the, the, I mean, it just seems so just like, oh, calendaring your sex. But, you know, there are times of the month where you feel more sexual. I mean, I know the week that I'm ovulating, so I have uh-huh. very high desire. And so I do have to, like, remind myself of that. Like, this is the week where, you know, if there's ever a week, this is the week, yeah. you know, and it's, it's totally. easier to initiate. Everything just flows. Um, but if I just kind of, like, choose to, like, ignore that or bypass it, and then then we've passed that time for me, and it's kind of like, ugh, I really I don't want to. I'm PMS that kind of thing. So you do have to kind of like make a point to pay attention and know when would be the best times for you. I mean, it just all helps in the end, the end result. It does. It does. And I think too, when, you know, couples get into this dance of one person is always the initiator and the other person's Mm -hmm. always the breaks. It's not a great dance to be in. And sometimes you have to kind of sit down and plan so that the person who's always the initiator gets taken out of that role. Yes. And the person who's always the breaks figures out a way that they can be the initiator sometimes. Yes. Um, That was... And that was told to us by our therapist, our own therapist, Kristen Howerton. <laughs> this is all sounding yeah. very familiar, very familiar. But you know what, guys? It works. It, 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 it really does. was. It, it's so helpful. It does. Well, one of the things um, that I remember learning really early on, too, is for women, for a lot of us, and this is socialization and culture, but when we feel like we're with a sexually needy man, mm-hmm. It's actually repulsive. Mm, mm, like yeah. there's something in our socialization, in our, you know, in our in, right. in our primal drives yes. that that find that when we feel like a man needs sex to survive. Uh-huh. And that we are caretaking for them sexually. Uh-huh. And and we almost feel like we get put into this mother-child role of like, this is a thing they need that we have to provide. Mm-hmm. That really is a turnoff for women for sure psychologically for sure and so you know again if we ever have men listeners who are you know want thinking like i want more sex with my partner um it's really important not to get into that need dance with sex it gives you the opposite of what you want yeah exactly and that's hard i mean i don't want to i don't want to minimize that that does put men can make men feel like they're in a no-win situation. But then it's like, then you have to look at your other strategies. Asking for more sex is probably not your best strategy. Right. So then you have to look at what are the confounding variables in this situation? You know, is is my partner overtired? Is my partner dealing with more emotional load than I am? Which is a big one, I think, for men and women. Yeah. Um, you know, are they carrying more th- more weight than I am? What are the th- what are the things that I can take off the plate 
to make to f- to free up the headspace for sex. Well, that brings up I'm I'm looking through these comments right now. I find this one really interesting. It says, "I think it can be helpful to have a discussion about when to take one for the team." There have been oh, times in marriage when in order to get my sex drive back, I had to have sex without being on fire for it in the beginning. Sometimes it's like exercise where you don't feel good until you're at the gym in the middle of exercising and afterward. In no way do I want to imply that sex is just a duty and that it's like that case all the time. There's definitely a problem if that's the case. But sometimes it's the grooming, self-prep, and initiation that sparks the mood, not the mood sparking the act. I thought that mm-hmm. that was a really interesting point. I think it is too. I think it's really relevant. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. And I think if you find yourself, you're in that situation, and I think this was true for me a lot, but, you know, it's like I'm not interested in sex or thinking about sex, but once I'm there, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. And it's And it's all great. If that is the case, then – you know, that is the situation where you need to think about how you can make that headspace for yourself. And let me, I mean, I'll say this too. This is a podcast about self-care. Having better sex is a form of self-care. It is. And so if you need to have some disciplines around that, I think that's okay. And it's not about a duty because again, we're wanting to have more or better sex for ourselves, not for our partner. Right. Because right. we like sex, right? right? Because because it's enjoyable and it's a release and it's, in, you know, the endorphins and, it, and there are great benefits to having more frequent sex. And so it's not that you are doing the grooming or the scheduling or the thinking for your partner per se. It's right. also for you. And, and I think that's an important shift in thinking. It is. It is absolutely self-care to the max. Right. We had one commenter write about how she has... Um, committed to thinking about sex for a little bit every day to keep herself in that headspace, which is is super interesting and smart. I like that. I know. All right. Well, there is so much more that we could say (laughs) on this topic. So much more. (laughs) Um, And this conversation is still going strong on the Facebook page. So um, in our community, if you are not a member there, you should definitely join us because it's such a great safe space for having some of these conversations. It is Selfie Podcast Community over on Facebook. Um, join us there and um, let us know um, how this sexual desire issue works out for you, but also let us know what other conversations you want to hear us have around the issue of sex. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care. Take care.